1: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Misok Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing?
0: I'm right, thanks man. How are you?
1: I'm great. Are you? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. I've received significant upgrades <laughs> to my wardrobe. Can I say this as well? Just to put the uh, warning out, um, I know that Ian, you know, Ian's got great fashion and everything like that. Um, there's a sweater in my possession that's going to end the autumn drip wars. Is it like, so the, like it,
0: the final Infinity Stone?
1: game changer. He's not seen it yet. I'm going to unleash it. So there's an interpodcast beef there, Ian. Not again. My sweater game, I'm coming for you. Not again. Sorry, these these are the only pleasures you get as an old man. You know what I mean? Like people have their train sets. I've got my my sweaters and my jackets. That's it really. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know what to say to that.
0: Uh, We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Uh, There's a lot of Horrible, horrible, horrible stuff going on around the world at the moment. So we just hope anyone who's affected by anything that's going on or in those places is okay and safe and well. Righteous House is up on the Ring FC feed. I'm going to go full Bernie Sanders and say, I'm once again asking you, if you can't find it on the podcast app of your choice, just go to the Righteous House Twitter feed and look at the links. Please, there are some links. Remy Allen, Aston Villas. Oh, that was a great interview. I loved that. She joined us this week. Joined Flo and I and Ian, and uh, she's recovered from an ACL injury at the moment. But she was great. It was great to have her in the studio, and yeah, that's up on the right house feed
1: now. Uh, is there any other admin? Oh uh, no, there isn't. But I just want to add in, on the Remy thing. I love this podcast because she was great. It adds something when someone who is still playing is on. And she was so frank and forthright and just, she felt like like a member of the house. I was going like, hang on a minute, has she not been on before? So yeah, she was great. Shout out to Remy.
0: Um, yeah, Stanley Archer's plays on Spotify. All of the tunes we play on each episode. If you don't hang around to the end of the podcast, then first of all, totally get it. Uh, second of <laughs> all, you are missing some fun stuff towards the end. Most notably, a different tune each episode. They're all in a playlist, if you didn't know and they're all on spotify newest ones at the top search for stadio outros on spotify so today we're going to touch on a bit of news Mm. and then we're going to do some what ifs because it's been a while it has indeed for anyone who wants to listen to all the what if episodes there is a playlist of them on spotify I couldn't figure out the place anywhere else but we'll follow up the tweet to this episode with a link to the playlist if you haven't seen them already so they go all the way back to like when was the first one we did March 2020 I think really yeah, was, yeah. I think it was like yeah. the first lockdown was when we started wow, yeah. yeah when yeah. we went when we went full conceptual it was like the equivalent <laughs> of locking ourselves away or in a house in the German forest in the middle of a German forest for six months and just making ambient music it was basically essentially <laughs> what Brian Eno did when he went to stay with cluster
1: and came back <laughs> and came back and was just like guys I've invented ambient music <laughs> do you remember the, the simpsons did that 3d episode yeah so it was like that <laughs> yeah super it was
0: great there. it was just like i loved it let's just go away and think of all the fucking silly shit we can do let's do news first before we break yeah yeah there's quite a bit well of the news main actually. the main bit of news is if anyone wanted to kind of have a rough idea of what it would look like if i got subbed on in a champions league final you have a look at the publicity rounds that uh, Liz Truss is doing this morning on <laughs> BBC, ra- various BBC local radio. Incredible. Her uh, time as prime minister is going to be. She's
1: essentially going to be the first prime minister to be subbed on and off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, actually, can I say this about her interviews with the local radio? The crucial mistake she's made from a commerce perspective, right? It's one thing when you do one terrible interview because you can say, oh, well, the London metropolitan elite, like, you know, oh my goodness, that's what they do in London. You've got eight different regional accents. In an hour, Ryan. And every interview is terrible. And it's like switched. And the problem is that builds a tapestry of universal disapproval. That is very difficult to walk back when you've got all the different accents, all the different questions, all brilliant, and all building on each other. It's a crescendo and it's, it's an absolute comms nightmare. And whoever consulted on that has had a disaster, absolute disaster.
0: It'd be one of those, like if it was in the, um, if it was in the thick of it, you'd be a bit like, oh. God, Ianucci and that lot have gone really cringe. Like, this is too much to watch, kind of thing. And it's, but it's actually
1: absolutely wild. Life.
0: Yes. Anyway, <laughs> keep politics out of sport, Musa. Told you. Absolutely. I oh, told yeah. you before. Yeah. Keep politics of out of football. We don't listen Sorry. for your takes on politics. Okay? Don't. Okay. So the w- keep them in your media. fucking Twitter threads. The work media. Because i muted you. Keep them there. So i am muted So I don't see them. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> actual real news. So we talked about the. The situation with the Spain women's national team on Monday. Since then, Jenny Hermoso released a statement, which mm, I think she's obviously a senior member of the squad, missed the Euros because of injury, number two in the Ballon d'Or this year. And she released a statement, which I won't read because it is quite lengthy, but if you go to Jenny Hermoso's Twitter account, it's just Jenny Hermoso then you can read it all in full and it really does suggest that there is quite a lot to the story behind the scenes that we're not knowing, we haven't heard about. She talks about about the, be- the behaviour in the unsustainable situation and it causing her to feel exhausted after training camps and how it's an accumulative effect over years of, of playing for the squad and it's, it's pretty bleak to be fair. I think it suggests a pretty bleak situation behind the scenes. As we mentioned on Monday, I think there is going to be a hell of a lot more to this story that's going to unravel. And to be honest, my, my, my first take on it, oh, just to know, it, she didn't actually offer her resignation, though. It felt very mm. much like she was going to, she seemed to commit to staying within the setup, but changing it. Mm. She expressed disappointment at beco- it becoming public and all this stuff, but I don't know how Vilda's position is job. tenable. Can, like I
1: be, was- can I be honest with you? We're going to look back. When everything comes out, I guarantee we'll look back and we'll be amazed. They achieved as much as they did under those conditions. If you consider like how unhappy the squad clearly has been for some time, the fact they pushed England, the eventual winners, that close in that tie is something. And this is the really painful thing for that generation of players, right? There'll be players who think if we had a coach who we were in tune with, who didn't, you know, d- did do all these things behind the scenes that clearly have been done, we could have won that tournament that's what's so painful because their performances still were like extremely impressive despite all of that. So yeah, really, really awful. Um, and obviously Hermosa trying to address the situation and find a solution the best way she can. And that's the thing, like with, with problems like this, with structural problems like this within organizations, it's so hard as someone, basically these players have become activists for certain, they've become, they become workplace activists and it's so hard to find a solution. Some are doing fire resonations sometimes change it from within. And I just hope that the pressure they're applying causes something to give um, because they deserve much better.
0: I agree. I totally agree. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. Um, other news. Kind of a wild story, but it's, it's the thing on the Financial Times about Lars, Lars Winpost. <laughs> oh my God. Obviously, okay. majority owner of Herta hired corporate spies that targeted the former Herta president Werner uh, Gegenbauer, who has now stepped down, stepped down in May, which Shibumi Strategy Limited, which is an Israeli private intelligence company, said the fact that Gegenbauer stepped down was evidence that, quote, the project was successfully accomplished. Vintors is this now is... being sued in, a, in, a, in an Israeli court and it is absolutely wild. It's, it's basically like the thing that Bartomeu kind of did, but. Yeah, Barcelona, yeah, with, with the social
1: with the social media.
0: People. I mean, that is some big city, big city energy from from Windhorst.
1: It's brutal. It's, it's absolutely brutal. So weird, man. Corporate I'm, I'm, spies. I know. Brutal. I know.
0: Um, yeah, go and read up on that. It's on the Financial Times. Uh, if you just do. And it. the same
1: in the same week that Unión got an extension to Urs Fischer.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, talk you talk look about, at the, the contrast. Wow. And, and the thing is, if you look at actually, if you look at the path that both clubs have had since, since Vindhorst came in as an investor, majority investor. at. Um, uh, I think I said owner before I meant investor at, at yeah. Hertha and they made such noise and they spent so much money and they had all that. Do you remember like when they signed all of those players in that window? All of them. Yeah. yeah. I, they still have people like Lucas Tussar who was tipped to go. He was like the kind of Bruno Guimari just Inter- three yeah, years yeah. ago. Do you yeah, remember? Yeah. And yeah. then since then, they've struggled. They've gone through managers. They had the Klinsmann thing, which I still think wasn't quite as bad and comical as everyone made out at the time. And mm. there were signs of progress there. We have mentioned this before, but it just wasn't particularly exciting. It's the
1: infrastructure. It's the infrastructure. That's why it's all falling apart.
0: So strange. And then Union on the other side have just basically been building and building and building slowly. They've got into Europe. They're top of the Bundesliga. It's like, yeah. they've extended Oz Fischer, who's, we've raved about Oz Fisher so much on this podcast. It's kind of like can't rave enough to be honest I mean and, they, they, and the, the the real kicker for Hertha was you know them targeting Champions League football and that the first and after Windhorst came in the first European football that took place at the Olympic Stadium was Union's Conference League games right
1: Oof. and now Union are in Champions League position
0: wild it's absolutely wild. wild it's wild and um, one more main bit of news from this week is that um, in their game against Senegal on um, Tuesday, I believe it was, Iran's men's football team wore black jackets to cover their, their um, I suppose their international badges on their shirts for the national anthem. Mm. And uh, afterwards, Sadar Asmun came out with a quote that said, "I'm not afraid of being ousted. Shame on you all for how carelessly people are murdered. Long live the women of Iran. Obviously that's to do with where well, you went to. Do you want to mention the thing you went yeah, to? Yeah, sure,
1: sure. So I went to um, an amazing protest um, marking, uh, well, solid- showing solidarity in the protests in Iran, following the death in custody of Gina Masar amini a um, 22-year-old woman who was arrested by security forces mm. for the supposed offence of revealing too much of her hair in public. And the protests ongoing for two weeks, a series of extraordinary speeches. It was just so beautiful. And they sang Bella Ciao uh, in Farsi as well, the kind of anti-fascist song. It was a really amazing event and gathering and great to have um, a couple of politicians there and some really strong speeches critiquing foreign policy there. And Sadr Asmun was the, the first Iranian male football to come out in support of the protests. Um, he put some posts on Instagram and in his stories, which are since deleted. Since then, two others came out with Instagram posts as well in support. He scored about 40 goals in 60, game, 60 games for Iran. So he's a huge player for them. And it means that this World Cup is going to be not uniquely political, but certainly particularly political. Mm. Um, we've seen that already, so yeah.
0: On the World Cup stuff, actually, while we mention it, um, Hummel released the Denmark kits this week Yeah, with the Denmark badge and the Hummel logos and details all matching the colours of the shirt, so essentially hidden. Mm. Uh, red for the home shirt, black for the away. They released a statement saying that it was a sign of mourning, or the colour of mourning um, for the deaths of migrant workers in the construction of the stadium and the infrastructure for the World Cup. We've had a couple of people hit us up about how we're going to do stuff in the World Cup. And I think it's probably just worth mentioning now that we're obviously going to talk about stuff. And we're going to do it, I think, probably in a similar way to how you wrote about the the Russia World Cup. Mm. A lot of it up top and then a lot of it afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been pretty clear when we've talked about the World Cup before that we've our stance on it and... And the previous one, to be honest, mm. and numerous warnings of World Cups. That yeah, I think the last two World Cups and this one in particular are probably stripping aside the actual specific locations of where they've been placed. Were the two prob- probably the two most <laughs> criminally awarded World Cups
1: mm. in recent history? So recent history, certainly.
0: And that's before you even get into human rights abuses or yeah. politics on the ground.
1: Very quickly, what I say about how we cover the World Cup. Um, it's interesting because in response to Hummel's release of the shirtsness statement about the host nation being responsible recklessly for the deaths of thousands of workers. What was interesting was Qatar's response, which I found extremely defensive. They, they disputed Emil's contention that thousands of workers had died as a result of the unsafe work practices. And I saw that and thought to myself, actually, what's really effective, given how concerned the hosts are about the reputation, is this ongoing critique during and before the tournament while full attention is on them. And when I saw that response, I thought, actually, yeah, I think it's, um, it's good to keep an eye on this. And I, listen, full respect to everyone who is doing whatever they do in relation to this, including those who are not paying attention at all, uh, studied, and, uh, and we need all of that. And I also think we need people to scrutinize it because look, we will give credit where to you um, in whatever respect. And at the same time, where there's critique to be made, I think we make the critique just as we did with Russia. There's a lot wrapped up in it, man, I think. There is, there is, yeah. We will no doubt get into ahead of it. Mm. We've
0: thought about when we would do that episode uh, uh, and we thought that it makes sense actually to do it on the very eve. Yeah, yeah. In an ideal world, you'd boycott everything like that, but then you get into a really, really tricky situation where if you lift the hood, there's not much left. No, that's right, that's right. And this is why anyone who says, you know, keep politics out of sport, so much of it is baked into the sport. Mm.
1: I welcome it, to be honest.
0: Look, look at this guy. Come at me. Come yes, at me. listen.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, sorry, I was a bit waffly, but we just thought we'd uh, talk That's about great. That. Some football. Yes, yes. Apart from Nations League, we haven't really talked about any of the Nations League. Scotland are going up. England are going down. Gone down, gone
1: down. Ooh.
0: Uh, we talked about England on Righteous House, by the way, so if you want to go and check that. Um, we talked about their draw against Germany. But Women's Champions League, the final qualification stage took place this week. Well, it's, we're still waiting on two teams. We're recording this ahead of Roma, Sparta, Prague and Bayern against Real Sociedad. Bayern have got a 1-0 lead from the first leg. Roma have got a 2-1 lead from the first leg.
1: I mean, we said this on the podcast before, but these are tough ties just to get into the Champions League.
0: They're so tough, man. I mean, if there's ever a bigger case for expanding in the Women's Champions League it's these qualifying rounds. I watched the Arsenal-Ix game. Arsenal scraping through 1-0 away. Lovely if they goal. Yes. It was not easy. And it was not. Flo and I were at the home leg of this for Arsenal. And they made hard work of it then. And yeah, Ajax are a good side. But there is some, I don't know, Arsenal, there's, just, there's, a, there's a rigidity to Arsenal, which I'm not wild about. Mm. And I see the progress that they've made under Jonas there's room. There are room for tweaks. But, you know, I want to see Mane Robucci on the football pitch. Hmm. Yeah, I really do.
1: Well, I really, really felt for Ajax because they were impressive and I think lots of Robin Moy's intervention, maybe not get all the headlines, but there was a brilliant challenge she made to unsight an Ajax forward just before she went in for what looked like it should have been a tap-in, and that was crucial. I thought Katie McCabe was also excellent just throughout in terms of prompting the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only, in, actually Flo pointed out, she provided a really great screen for me assist, but also just in terms of prompting going forward. Ajax set up really well and and probably don't deserve to be out of the tournament. Like it, 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 I mean yeah. the,
0: they should they I they, actually be in the group stage. Yeah, as well. absolutely. This is this the thing is... we have said about the expansion of the Champions League. It's just I was it would watching be great it thinking I was teams. watching yeah. think this is a
1: group stage game because Ajax tactically had so much of the game figured out.
0: Um so the full rundown of sides who are automatic who, who are now in the Champions League. Leon Barcelona, Wolfsburg, Chelsea, PSG, Slavia Prague, Arsenal, Rosengor, Juve, Real Madrid, St. Paulten, Zurich, Blasnia and
1: Benfica. You'd have a pretty decent Champions League with those who got knocked out.
0: All right, let's do some what-ifs after Stir. the break.
1: Stir. All right, man. Do you want to start? Why not? So here's a what-if for you. What if Xavi, <laughs> instead of staying on with Barcelona um, and having that incredible career with them in Spain, moved to AC Milan in 1998 and they came for him? How different does football look if that happens?
0: Holy moly. The ultimate one is, does Javi still win the Qatari lottery?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is the one I we're sp- all thinking <laughs> of. There is no timeline in which Xavi does not win the Qatari lottery. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay,
0: so, a little bit of context to this, just in case people aren't aware. In 1998, I think he was only 18 years old, but that Barcelona midfield was very, very busy. And Louis van Gaal almost sent him to Milan,
1: yeah. The move was kiboshed by his mother. Actually, his mother basically was the the primary factor. She's going. a Barca fan, yeah. And yeah, basically, she said, there.
0: "What was the rumor?" She said that she would divorce Javi's dad <laughs> if he goes to AC Milan.
1: Do you know what's incredible about that? The dad probably just minding his own business He'd be like, "Hey, He's like, I well, they offered
0: it. us a five year deal in <laughs> and a house."
1: It's, it's Milan, like, and she's just like, "I'm a fucking I- Blaugrana till I die, and that means with or without you." Do you know what I love about this, though? I love the fact that dad got drawn into it. Probably minding his business. Went, yeah, probably thinking, oh, oh, Milan. Oh, quite nice. You know, there's a, you get to Lake Como and, and it, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't bring me into this.
0: <laughs> Do you
1: want to hear the, qu- the
0: quote from Javi? If anyone is a bigger Barcelona fan than me, it's my mother. He probably had to leave to grow, but I didn't see it clearly. That's why I threatened my <laughs> husband with a divorce. That was from his <laughs> mum. <laughs> But anyway, all right, so
1: let's do it. So it's ninety-eight, yeah, yeah. right? I think it's 1998. 1998, yes. Now, so, okay, here's the thing. So 1998, let's think So the following season, right? If you look at what Milan's uh, squad was, there was actually room for him.
0: Yes, there, there was. was. There, was kind of,
1: there was kind of room for him. Dimitri Albertini was obviously getting a bit older. So you might have had him in a midfield with Boban, for example. He could have been part of the rebuild. And don't forget that AC Milan, a few years later, go on and win the Champions League in 2003. Um, uh, Shevchenko with the winning penalty after a nil 0 draw against Juventus. So there's room for Xavi in and around that space. And the pace of the game in Italy at that point, I think, works for Xavi. Mm. This is the thing. I think the signing works. The thing is, we don't get the Pirlo era. We don't get the Pirlo era because you, with a player like Xavi, that kind of controller, the need for a player like Pirlo to come in is not immediately obvious.
0: Pirlo an interesting one though, because I don't think Pirlo was held in that as high regard early on in his Milan career as he was through his latter stage of his career with Juve. So I'm wondering whether Pirlo's career in terms of trajectory is wildly different. Because I think,
1: I think it is though. Do you think? Yeah, do you know what it is? Because the shift, I remember watching Pirlo as a 10 Mm. and thinking out how much less effective he was and how much, he just wasn't that quick and he wasn't quick enough to be that high up the pitch. And that's not a knock on him. It's more like the, the kind of pressure that Serie A was putting on its tens at that point. You think of the number tens that thrived. They were deceptively quick like Rivaldo or just really fast and elusive like Rui Costa. Mm. And you couldn't have him operating that space or they were basically second strikers like Del Piero, right? They were like, you know, fast and furious and he didn't fit in that. When he got dropped back to the ten is when he became dangerous. The thing about Xavi and Pirlo is I don't think you have two of those players at the base of midfield. Because what Boban was, Boban was this very sort of dynamic shuttler and he wasn't a box-to-box. He was someone that could do, I mean, Boban was just an astonishing player, obviously with Pep he'd be an eight, of course. But with, I think Xavi would be deeper with a bit of protection around him, which is kind of what that three four one two was doing with Milan at the time. And I don't think there's room for Pirlo. Yeah, I mean, I think you're does right, makes, actually. Does that, does that make sense? I don't think he goes to Milan Milano Chavez there. I think someone sees what he does at Brescia because at Brescia he combines beautifully with Baggio, right? Mm. Baggio's revival is tied a lot to Pirlo's emergence. That's such a great period. Um, and also you've got Pep in the mix around the time as well, yeah. which is wild, right? Like those three in a dressing room. So then you've, well, I don't think they, they overlapped, but they were around the same time. So I think that someone sees Pirlo in that deep playing role at Brescia and goes, I can do something with you and takes him somewhere else. The question is where Pirlo goes. Because I think it alters his trajectory. And I think Pirlo does end up as a deep-lying magician. The question is where. But I, don't think that's in, I don't think that's in Serie A.
0: So let's focus on Barcelona. Because yes. I think that otherwise we're going to get into a whole other world of...
1: <laughs> it's what we came it's already for kind still. of spinning my head.
0: Yep. Right. So, yep. I mean, remember that, so that summer 1998, Ivan de la Peña leaves. What a player.
1: Oh my God. There's a player. Yeah.
0: Barcelona sign in the summer, Philip Koku from PSV. They also bring in Patrick Clyver. That's the same summer. Mm.
1: In the winter, they bring in the DeBoers. Oh my God, here's a hot take. Pillow does end up at Barca. He ends up at Barca? Pirlo, he ends up at Barca eventually.
0: Because okay, I don't remember on. Pep Pep you sees him up intention. close.
1: <laughs> Pep sees him up close in the early 2000s, right? And sees him playing deep lying and loves it, right? And Pep comes for him, but can't get him. Right. So I think at some point they end up working together because Pep really wants him. Maybe he ends up working with Pep, and we don't see Busquets. I don't know, man. I think that's, well,
0: that I early uh, Sergio, like the, just think of this, the the strings that Pep pulled to push Sergio Bus- Busquets into that side.
1: Right, but I'm not hating on Busquets at all. I love Busquets. No, but it's more like it's it's more the fact of Pep's arc. I think Pep becomes a great coach only because greatness is greatness. I think Pirlo becomes outstanding because the way he was playing at that point and getting seen in that role, I think is a game changer. The question is where he gets a good move that makes him, who builds the team around him is the question, Mm. right? And it might have been it might have been Real.
0: I thought it's interesting. I thought Real and that might actually be a reason because... Redondo injury. But it's also referring to our second wire, maybe.
1: Do you know what? Redondo gets injured, right? He goes to Mm. Milan and has this two... Redondo basically leaves and one of the major reasons he leaves after that run of wins, is that his knee is basically giving up on yeah. him? And shout out to Redondo, who basically waived his salary for the last two years. I think I gave about like twelve million or whatever euros in salary um, because of his injuries. and, just, You know, ama- amazing human. Um, so then I think Pirlo becomes the long-term replacement for Redondo at Real Madrid. Mm. It is the natural fit, right? Someone that controls from deep that can do that, and it just slots in naturally. And I think if that happens, oh my goodness. Pirlo is one of the Galacticos, but then of course that means that Pep never gets him because there's no way that move happens, right? So then, deleting my original workings, <laughs> so yeah, so okay, okay, right, so let me reconfigure that. So, Pirlo becomes the deep line player to replace Redondo at Real Madrid. In what year? That's, um, well, I would say that would maybe like late turn, turn of the century. When, 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 I mean, yeah, do you when,
0: know what? It would, it
1: 2000, would, 2000. It would fit with Real Madrid's transfer strategy around that time, actually. It would, actually. Yeah, it would. It would. Pirlo and Zidane in the same midfield, Ryan. Stayed off Pirlo and Zidane. I mean, <laughs> inject it. Sorry, inject- what? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 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 wow. That, re- that, that, that just changes the direction of so many things. So we, st- we still see... Busquets, but we don't see Busquets in tandem with Chavi. We don't see that, I don't think.
0: Yeah, so who ends up in the Barca midfield then? Well, I mean, he wasn't an out and out midfielder,
1: but we'll talk about someone in a minute. But who ends up in that Barca midfield then instead? Goodness, well, that's, that's an interesting one. So, Chavi going to Milan displaces everything, right? But does he come back?
0: Because he might come no, back. I don't, no, I don't think so. Because I think he's just going
1: to be Milan, one, one club Milan man. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's right. I don't see that for Chavi. I see no, him I being don't. there. Do you know what? I
0: worry. I worry that if Javi goes to Milan, I wonder whether he develops into the player that he becomes. Because I, I think, think so does. much of that is based on being I don't like think coming does, through man. that system, being a, a Lamassia graduate, pairing up with Iniesta. Obviously, both are great, mm. but is their greatness elevated because of the other? Yes, I, and, and I that's not. To, that's not to say that they wouldn't be great anyway. But it's almost like the fact that the pair of them worked together so well, came through the system had all those years in the same midfield. It was just...
1: It's Lennon-McCartney. It is, yeah. It's Lennon-McCartney. They both have they both have brilliant solo careers. Here's the thing. They both have brilliant solo careers, but at some point they're like, something's missing. Throughout mm. their entire careers, they, they have great careers, and they retire and it's great and there's ticker tape when they retire, everyone loves them. But they're both there going, something greater is out there for us both. Because I think that, here's the thing about what Iniesta, Iniesta can play as a DM, he could play as an eight, like he could play a range of positions. So what they do is, I think Barcelona, they get one other player, who is dynamic, alongside them, and it works. Right? They just get someone who's just more intense, more physical, more dynamic, and they win. They win leagues, right? They win titles, but they don't go on that spell of dominance that we see because that triangle was unbeatable. I think I think it's still the best midfield, the club football's seen actually. The thing that I'm worried about for for Javi is
0: that if he goes to Milan in in 98, Mm. Capello's just gone, Zaccaroni comes in. Zaccaroni's there, yeah. And then you have that run of like Maldini to Soto, Fati Terim and Ganero. Then Ancelotti comes in in 2001. So it's like, what are those three years like? Because that's a long time, right? That is a long time to be at a club where
1: there's a lot of upheaval, there's a lot of turnover. Mm. I think he's still there because don't forget how long it took him to get started at Barca. True. And they've put a lot of faith in him as a big signing. So he's a marquee signing. So at that point, it's like, you've got to make that work, right? And Milan loved their marquee signings. But would he
0: be a marquee signing, though?
1: I think so. yeah. the amount they're offering him. They wanted to build a team around him and a club around him, I think. So I think he's still there. And I think that what happens is, if you look at how Ancelotti's like handled someone like Modric and just showing the absolute faith from day one, he comes in as like, this is, I mean, Ancelotti's got a line like no one else for midfield control and goes, you're the midfield controller. He doesn't play the Modric role, of course, because Modric is a very specific type of player, but he comes in and he moulds a midfield around Xavi, who at that point is kind of gasping for breath, going, finally, a coach that understands me completely. Mm. And then I think it works for him. I don't think they reach the heights that they reach in Europe though, because I think that the, the specific configuration of players for Xavi's talents, I think require a midfield tree. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's, so maybe he might end up with a kind of controller type situation where you have like one or two players around him, like a Catuso and a Sadov, So maybe you get a midfield of Xavi Seydolf Gattuso, um, which is still unbelievable, frankly, and that team wins a bit, but I don't think you get the Spain three in a row, which is the sort of, it just is the model, it sets the blueprint. I don't think you see. Why not? Because of the, because of the,
0: uh, the chemistry at level.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's the key to it. Like you look at that and even like the Classicos, right, and how that forged them. If you think of how those two teams push it to such an extreme level. And they came together for the national team, all that competitive edge. Mm-hmm. And if you think of how last ditch, look, you think of like even that three in a row run that Spain went on, Ryan, where it went down to penalties, like it was not a foregone thing at all. The margins were so small. It just changes the entire direction of all these tournaments, I think. I don't think the 2010 World Cup happens, for example. I'm not sure. Maybe 08 might happen because the squad that Aragonés is so good at building, like he's so good in the group. I think Xavi is still a leader in the group. I think maybe 08, Euro 2008 happens. 2010, nah, I'm not sure I see that. And what do you think it means to
0: like Barcelona's Champions Leagues and do Milan win any more? Because they won two in that run with Ancelotti, right?
1: Yeah. Do they win another? Xavi is so good. I think they win one of them. Do you think Liverpool win the Champions League? Oh five. Do you know what? God, goodness, that's two that
0: If you have Xavi in that midfield and they're mm. 3-0 up in a Champions League final. No, you don't.
1: There's lights out. I don't think you get the ball back. No, because he closes the game down. That's the thing. Xavi was the ultimate closer, wasn't he? Mm. And this is not to knock Liverpool. It's just that like, no, the mean, control, like the match control that would be that, applied that, after coming, half-time.
0: Coming back from 3-0 down against Milan at that time and winning the thing is otherworldly. It's anotherworldly achievement anyway. But then you chuck Javi in that and that's
1: probably a step too far, I think. I mean, you Maybe don't they win the 05 them. as well. Don't see why not. What, 3 so Champions Leagues? <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. What happens to Barcelona? If they lose Xavi, they lose a huge part of their future. But then again, Xavi's not really that prominent, even in 06. He doesn't really get going at at Barcelona. Oh my goodness, am I going to say this? Barcelona are kind of okay. Because they don't know what they've lost. No, because they don't know what they've lost, Ryan. This is the thing. They're okay because they don't know what they've lost. Look, they win the 2006 um, Champions League final. Ronaldinho is absolutely playing out of his mind. People want to go and play with want to go and play with Ronaldinho right Barcelona is the destination you've got Etti there you've got all sorts do you know what might happen yeah I think some I I think Michael Essien ends up someone like Barca because don't forget like the way that Chelsea and United went after him and that massive bidding war right around the same time if Chavi's not even in the mix and they want to bring someone at some point someone like Essien might go somewhere else
0: such a weird midfield that midfield it is though isn't it in that 2006 final yeah like Ed Milson, Deco, and Van Bommel. Right. Um, Ed Milson comes off at halftime for Andres Iniesta. And then Van Bommel comes off Henrik Larsson.
1: And there is a kind of Leon-Barcelona pipeline, very vaguely. Like, there is a, like, a good relationship, because Ed Milson, I think, came from Leon to Barca. Mm-hmm. So you've got, like, that interesting connection there already. Like, Iniesta, I think, becomes more prominent. I think maybe his tactical role is different, because you know, Chavi talks about how his role changed within the, within the Barcelona team. And we saw Iniesta playing defensive midfield for, in Clásicos in like his early 20s. So I think that Iniesta just gets more of a role mm. and they might bring in somebody else to perform alongside. And the reason I mentioned someone like Essien is because he gives you the dynamism that allows Busquets to just fully do Busquets. Um, and I think at that point, Barcelona are just so, if you've lost the player like Chavi, and of course, at this point, you're watching him at, Milan absolutely ball out and they try to get him back, but Milan are like, no way. We've got this massive like release clause on him. So good luck with that. <laughs> because I think you get Chavi he starts performing like that. You start putting a big release clause on him. So then Barcelona go, okay, what else can we look at? We haven't got a player in La Masia that matches the Chavi profile. Let's go and get someone from outside who basically is going to lock down the midfield. Mm. And I think it's someone like an SEN, which means that 9 doesn't happen. <laughs> you, don't think, you don't think Barcelona win in 9 with SN? No, no, well, they, I, think they, I think they do win, but I think that like the famous SN moment and the Iniesta moment, none of that happens. So the founding myth, of course, the founding myth of like Barcelona, not the founding myth, but the sort of the moment where Barcelona really began dreaming was the Iniesta goal against uh, Chelsea when SN concedes possession. But in 2009, they're in the same midfield. How's that for a hot take? <laughs> wow. <laughs> And then do you, eventually, do you get Javi as Barcelona manager? You don't, because he, he doesn't have that tie. I don't think it happens. No, no, it doesn't happen. He might become manager in Serie A. He does end up in Qatar because...
0: He's anyway. a, he's, I reckon he's at Fiorentina now. That's interesting. You know <laughs> <really>? Somewhere <laughs> like that, or Genoa. He becomes a coach,
1: doesn't he? But you imagine, yeah. here's the thing. Chavi supplying Shevchenko for all those passes. Oh my God. Spectacular. I think, I think a lot of that stuff still happens. That's the thing, because he's such a good player. I think a lot of it still happens.
0: And then obviously Seydolf Rock's up there anyway. Yeah, yeah. You can see Javi, Sadov, Pirlo, Pirlo, Sadov, Zidane at some point. You get a whole load of midfields that are just like pure FIFA ultimate team midfields.
1: Oh my God, I love it. I love it for them.
0: Should we move on? Because we, we've, we've, yeah, got, if, we've yeah. got another one that's kind of related because the other let's one that it. we had, we mentioned this on right House, right? So what if Luis Vigo doesn't sign for Real Madrid in 2000? Because it's around a similar era, so we might cross over a little bit, but... Oh my goodness. I, d- I don't think, for example, Figo's destination has much of an effect on Javi's career. So Real Madrid's transfer business before, in a few years before, so let's go back to like 96, right? Zeroberto's is their biggest transfer comes in. 97, 98 is Christian Carambo, Ito Carranca. They're signing these kind of people. Savio. Mm.
1: Savio Bartolini. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
0: 98, 99. There's not, you know, Ivan Campo comes in from Valencia. There's no one huge coming in.
1: It's all quite sensible the though, biggest, isn't it? Actually? The
0: biggest one is 99 when they sign Anelka. Anelka should be slyly awarded the first Galact- the proto-Galactico.
1: Oh, yes. Because yeah, his yeah, signing
0: yeah. is a big jump for, for Real Madrid, although they're signing potential, right? But then it's the season after they get Figo. Now, the thing about Figo is that we've talked about this on Righty's House when we talked about the documentary is that it's not just the player that they get. It is a tectonic plate of a, of a player. Displ- it's a displacement. It's yeah. a
1: displacement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And he's 27 at the time. He's in his peak years. He's made that decision to cross the divide. Yeah. So after Figo, it's Zidane, it's Ronaldo, it's Beckham. Oh, God. Walter Samwell, Jonathan Woodgate, Michael Owen, and Thomas Graveson. <laughs> Strange sum of that. Does Perez remain president? He gets it, but then he's ousted because- Diminished authority.
1: Oh, do you know what does happen?
0: Everyone, all the socios have their memberships paid for. Because that's That's the promise
1: that Perez- Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He gets it, but with diminished authority.
0: Does does Real Madrid become essentially the first nationalised football club in Spain?
1: (laughs) 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 But it doesn't happen. None of this happens because if he doesn't- Figo is basically, Perez gambles his future on Figo. That's it, right? He gambles his future on Figo and he says, if I bring him in- if I get in, then I'll... But actually, in a funny way, Perez isn't a win-win because he says, if I don't bring in Figo, actually, let me just recalibrate. Figo, he says, if I don't bring in Figo, I'll pay all your membership stuff for a year, right? So then what happens is the members love him for that because he's someone of his word. So actually, weird enough, that kind of binds him to them even more. And so then when he goes for Zidane, he's like, let's do this right this time and let's go and get Zidane. So I think a thing like the Zidane move happens because Zidane is looking, I think, for a change after that time at Juventus. He wants a bit of a move away. Otherwise, would he do it? Because when Zidane leaves, actually, I remember thinking, you've got such a good thing at Juventus. Mm. Why'd you leave that?
0: But it does, is that not part of the project though? Like if there's no Figo there, is Zidane the kind of person to make the first move? Because I, I, think, I think we underestimate now because we see Zidane as Zidane,
1: right? Mm. But Zidane then didn't have the same aura around him? I, uh, I, think he, I think he does go. Do you know why? Because Zidane, 98. This is the it's a hot take I say a lot, but it's not really that hot I take. I don't think he was actually anything close to his peak in 98 when they were in the World Cup. No, of course he wasn't. Nothing close. I think he was he showing was, us... Zidane,
0: Zidane was a really, really good player, but he wasn't
1: mythical then. The height of his powers in Euro 2000, the absolute height of his powers in Euro 2000, He goes on that massive run after 98 where everyone's kind of like, hmm, Zidane was quite good in that World Cup with some astonishing peaks, but not consistently running a tournament. 2000, he runs the entire tournament coming off the back of a huge unbeaten run with France. So I think he's, he's been peaking for a very very long time and 2000 is the absolute apex of his powers. And I think then, I think that, I think if Sudan if they come to him then, Madrid and go, we have this amazing history, you know our pedigree in the Champions League, we want you. And they go, here's the offer. I think that changes everything. Quick
0: thing about Zinedine Zidane: he's the most Marseille player never to play Marseille. But everyone oh my assumes plays for. Think everyone assumes has played for Marseille. Oh my goodness! Can I just? It's really weird, isn't it? It's really weird that when you actually say Zidane never played for Marseille, even though you know that he never played for Marseille, it's a bit like, oh, what? I don't
1: believe it. No, I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't believe. That blows my mind because we said that Ian before. Yeah, yeah he should play for Marseille. Yeah. Sedan and Ian in the same Marseille. We need to do an alternate Marseille team. Wow! We need to do teams. We need to do, okay, let's hold ourselves to it. Every now and again, we should do an 11 of teams that are s- s- players that never played for that club, but are so that club. Like, so in- until Rodrigo Dupal moved to Atleti, he was the most Atleti player not to have played for them. And now I can't imagine I Jamie a more Vardy. Atleti player. Vardy, no, Vardy, Vardy is the current. He's the reigning okay. most Atleti player. But Depaul is still, De Pal's still in the mix, I think. Uh, do you know what? Vardy's the way that
0: Atleti move, they might go after Vardy next season. Do you know what? Apparently, the, the, Simeone's been whispering sweet nothings out into the ether for Gerard Piquet, which is just such a fucking Simeone thing to do.
1: I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Do you know what? Do you know where the news should be announced from? Rebecca Vardy's account. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the they
0: You're should... They should
1: release... Ha, ha, ha.
0: Musak Kwanga, who is the uh, Ah, non-executive director of Love of Hun's Instagram account. (laughs) Oh, the dream. One day, one day, the dream. Um, So do we get the Galactica era, though? Because you're saying Zidane moves. So I think actually if Zidane goes...
1: He's the first Galactica. Why not? (sighs) Here's the thing. Here's a hot take for you. I
0: don't know, man. I just think that that... I think at Real Madrid at the time... Mm. Gets I don't know. The same I think, I think that he gets Figo, the same summer. No, I think that Figo signing was so huge, mm. and it was so transformative for Real Madrid. Yes, but I think it's way harder to sell Real Madrid as a project at that time to Zinedine Zidane if Figo is not there because the noise that that made and the kind of like the Ferrari that that kicked up. Perez goes to Zidane and is like, we took Luis Figo from Barcelona. We can do anything. Come and join us. Ha
1: ha ha! Ha 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 ha! Do it, do it, do it, do it, do so, it. we've taken Figo from our arch rivals in Catalonia. Ha 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 ha! I'm sure we can take you from Turin. Join us. Ha 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 ha! we haven't had Rylo Red for a while
0: <laughs> fucking Rylo Red should have been Real
1: Madrid president my Can god I, I think the Galactica does happen change the home kick to black It does. <laughs> I'm like yes jet black but the reason why I think it does happen I think it's like gentrification in Berlin it happens anyway like the gentrification mm. of football the super Galact- Galactico thing happens I think it's just a different player that starts it but I think it happens
0: because Paris. But do they win what they win because he's so no, integral they're, they're, in that two thousand two? Oh no, no, they one. don't. They don't. No, no, they don't. They absolutely don't because the way that it's the same. By Leverkusen, maybe get their treble after all. <laughs> I don't see why not. I don't see. <gasps> oh my god, buy Leverkusen fans are gonna fucking love this because we actually did a what if about what if they won their treble right in two thousand one. I think you it think
1: was. of the only reason, we, but yeah.
0: we realized. So let's go yeah. back to that because we actually realized. Not much changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. The only thing that changes is that they don't have the Neverkusen uh, tagline.
1: So 2002, you have the astonishing body from Zidane. You have late-era Raul still being deadly from distance, from, from a close range. He was outstanding in those game, in those finals, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you have Casillas being outstanding in goal. Very small margins. None of that works without Figo creating the space like he does. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I think that Leverkusen, as good a team as they were, Balak in that form, Balak is basically peaking at that point. I think Leverkusen win that. Wow. So you're going to have
0: Zinedine Zidane without a Champions League?
1: Very possibly.
0: So we don't think Real Madrid win in 2002. They probably don't get to the final, do they?
1: I don't think so. No.
0: No, because Figo is playing for Barcelona and they face Real Madrid in the semi-final. So Barcelona could go through and beat Leverkusen in 2002. So Barcelona could, and oh my God, this is turning out so bad for Real Madrid fans, mm. and Bayer Leverkusen. Poor Bayer Leverkusen, man. We've, we somehow managed to give them and take the away a Champions League from them yeah. in this episode. But Figo's still at Barca. He's still at peak peak Figo. In 2002, they beat Real Madrid in a Clasico semifinal, I think. Mm. Because Zidane's, I, I don't think Zidane goes in 2000.
1: Okay, fair enough. If you don't think it goes, but then, but, then, but I don't think did he Barca goes. beat Leverkusen I, in the final, then? In oh two. Yeah, I think so. You think so? I think so. I don't know because they handle them, they really handle them in the way that Madrid beat them in that game. Oh god, the alternative the counterfactuals. That's a really good Madrid team, you're right, but then it doesn't doesn't have its integral players in two thousand and two. So Barça Leverkusen final, it's anyone's. You know what? Even though I think that Barcelona might beat Leverkusen head-to-head, I just feel like in this universe of what it's, you must be benevolent. And I do see a Leverkusen victory there. I see a Leverkusen victory for them. Against Barca in the final. Why not? Let's dream. Dream big. What? Listen, dream big. If you can't imagine it, you can't achieve it. Ah, I became a, a Leverkusen ultra very briefly.
0: I know we've kept that one pretty brief, but uh, I quite like that one. Oh, but also, maybe Milan go to that final. Or 2002. Yeah, because they have Javi. Oh my goodness! You never know. I mean, how old is Javi now? Actually, hang on one sec. Javi Hernandez. And
1: oh, he's only f- so he'd be twenty-two. How old is he now? He'd be playing. He's forty-two. Oh my
0: god, he's my age.
1: <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Could have been you and Javi. Oh
0: my- Javi, to Arguanga.
1: Arguanga. He passes. He squares, he, 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 squares, he squares it. He squares it. He squares it. He squares it.
0: Uh, and Kwanga takes off his shirt with a T-shirt that says "For George" on it. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All eyes on me. New mixtape dropping now. No, no. How many times have you had that dream? <laughs> oh, don't even, don't even joke. Now, now I'm, now I'm crying. Now I'm crying. <laughs> Paolo
0: Maldini runs over to Okwanga. He grabs his face and he plants one on his lips. Oh yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But what does it mean for Jose Mourinho? That's what I want be <laughs> always? Don't these what ifs always come around? That's yeah, the thing. We always end up, up
0: canceling Jose Mourinho. We have to... Maybe the knock on effect is that Jose Mourinho doesn't end up at yeah, a... Yeah, a- yeah, a- Milan. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, my brain's gone clear. Hope you enjoyed that. There you go.
0: <laughs> Answers on a postcard, please,
1: everyone. You can tweet us at Stadio if you want, if you have any. If someone does tweet us like a postcard with a diagram on it of all the different things, I will actually lose my mind. If someone actually sends us that, that would be unreal.
0: Oh, don't, because
1: you're going to get it. <laughs> You've essentially given everyone home homework. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: right, let's get out of here. Let's do it, let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone stays safe, staying well, and uh, don't forget to check Righty's House on its own feed. If you can't find the link, go to the Righty's House Twitter account. There'll be loads on there, even for the the slightly left field ones don't forget to check the stand outros place on spotify speaking of which we're playing out on a cover version of the theme from the godfather by the professionals anything you want to add Muto,
1: no nothing further i'm all good
0: nothing further
1: yeah yeah well look at we're that on for this week much love everyone have a lovely weekend we'll be
0: back on monday see you then